0: Good morning, you're listening to Peterborough Currents. My name's Aisha Barmania.
1: And I'm
2: Will.
0: And we're joined today by Mayor-elect Diane Diane Tarion. Good morning. Hi. Um, So this is Peterborough Currents. We talk about uh, politics, arts and culture, people, all sorts of things going on in the city and county of Peterborough. And um, you may have realized we had an election and we elected a new mayor. And um, we wanted to bring Diane in today to uh, answer some of our questions, but also answer some questions that you might have, because we take calls on this show, and you can phone in and um, ask a question, or a comment, or any sort of thing, basically. So if you want to call in, um, our volunteer producer Jeff is manning the phone lines, and uh, you can phone in at 705-741-4011. We're also on Twitter at ptbo underscore currents. And, um, yeah, phone in at any time because it doesn't ring live on the air, um, uh, but you get patched through to us. And, um, yeah, anytime, 705-741-4011.
1: This is your chance to ask a question of your new mayor. uh, (laughs) Yeah, just check in with her because she's going to be here for the next little while. Mm Mm-hmm. So, while we wait for any calls, um I just want to take a minute to congratulate you, Diane. Thank on you on winning the election it's exciting um, I think that there was a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of excitement around your campaign um leading up to the election. A lot of people were involved and a lot of people were excited to uh to help your campaign and I'm wondering how now that the election's over and now that you know you're gonna move into the gritty work of of running the city how do you want to see that enthusiasm channeled?
2: That's a good question Uh, and yeah you're right I had an amazing team of volunteers there was about like 15 to 18 just as like the core uh, the core group and then, you know, dozens and dozens of others who are helping with, you know, putting up signs and knocking on doors and making phone calls and and all of that. And so I think that, um, you know, the enthusiasm that we saw around my campaign and a, and a few other candidates, too, mm-hmm. there's there's been a, a bit of turnover and we've got uh, some good diversity on this council. Uh, I think we'll be through, you know, we've I've talked a lot about public engagement and transparency and wanting to have um you know, neighborhood meetings, which we, uh, you know, each ward was, is entitled to do, and and Councillor Pappas and I did several over the the term, the last the previous term. Uh, looking forward to keep keeping that going, but I think also just you know reaching out um, to council, organizing you know uh, community groups around specific issues. You know, some people call them special interest groups. I just call them engaged citizens who have a stake in this community. And so I think, you know, that that, that that's part of it. Um, but like, cause there's so much great work always happening in, in this community around different issues. So that's a way to stay engaged, uh, in between campaigns. There's also a federal election coming up next year. So I know that some people who helped volunteer and this was their first ever campaign will probably go and help a candidate in that, in that election. Um, but, yeah, I think just keeping the pressure on and, and keeping us accountable and reaching out to us through social media and email and coming to council meetings is always is always great, even though I recognize that not everybody can come in on a Monday night and sit through a meeting that may or may not be of interest. All of the topics may or may not be of interest to them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and you'll see myself and many of the councillors just out and about in town. And so feel free to stop us and chat with us. Great.
1: Um, We want to remind listeners that you can call in and chat with us on the air if you're so inclined. What's the number, Aisha?
0: 705-741-4011. We are super live right now, so uh, not pre-recorded. Super live. Super live. (laughs) The most live. As live as it gets. So um, yeah, call in. Uh, Yes, Jeff, you can call in. And um, you can call in and ask a question, uh, talk to Diane, talk to us. I don't know keep it real
2: yeah maybe they have questions for you yeah, that's true it got a question for me
0: i don't know maybe save that for another week when we actually have don't have a lot of content but anyways um just kind of building on what you were talking about um i think leading up to the election there were some conversations you know we saw um what happened with toronto with the provincial government um Kind of interfering with the municipal election there, a little bit, um, and I think there was a, a growing conversation about what power do municipalities actually have, and what power does the mayor have? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you approach this leadership role, and and how what what kind of goals are you bringing to it?
2: Yeah, so like municipalities are created by the province, so we're under you know that sort of legislation, and it's interesting the Toronto um, scenario, which was just. Uh, which was pretty ridiculous, quite frankly. Like, regardless of how you feel about how that council was laid out, you don't go and interfere with it in the midst of an election. Like, people had already taken leaves from work and arranged, you know, like, it, it was basically just, it messed with a bunch of people's lives, mm-hmm. um, which was ridiculous. And if they went by that formula, we would have, like, one person in Peterborough, we would have, like, one councillor. So, anyways, uh, aside from that, uh, aside from the provincial nonsense, um I think here in Peterborough, like I've talked about, you know, wanting to try to build a council that's really works together. Um, so my style of leadership is very different than what we've seen previously. Um, with more collaborative, uh, you know, I'm holding, working with the staff to arrange a bit of a retreat. It won't be a full like, you know, weekend, which I think used to happen back in the day. Um, it's probably just going to be sort of a two to three hour uh, session, but around like, team building, like what are the strengths that each councillor brings to the table and then what are the common goals that we can agree that we want to work on together over the next four years. So rather than um, as we saw under the previous mayor sort of a very kind of top down approach like here's what's happening and some of council wasn't necessarily in on in the loop on, on the big projects that were going to be pushed forward. I think it's really important to make sure that everybody's on the same page or at least even though we're not going to agree about everything, make sure that everybody feels like they're linked into that um to that communication loop so um so that'll be really interesting i've been meeting with staff i've been meeting with um uh some of the different organizations in town that work with the city so yeah it's exciting it's just like right now it's like a lot of meetings and just getting you know getting a handle on all the files that are going on Mm -hmm. and um try to meet one on one with each of the counselors to get an idea of what they're interested in in terms of the portfolios and all of that. Because uh, in our Dece- our first meeting in December, we'll be bringing forward the appointments to different committees. And um, rather than just telling people what they're going to do, I, I have been looking for feedback from people about what they're interested in, where their strengths lie. So. Yeah, you'll be seeing kind of more of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned um, engaged citizens and special interest groups. Um, beyond the confines of City Hall, how are you going to approach um, marshalling support for, for your goals?
2: Yeah, and so I think, you know, my the goals that I laid out in my policy commitments were... Pretty much, you know, directed by what I've been hearing at the door, what I've heard over four years of being on council and what I just see and know to be problems in in Peterborough. So housing, uh, transportation, um, you know, those types of things, as well as more engagement and transparency at City Hall. Uh, And so there will be I want to host, you know, in the mayor's office for staff, you know, a series of kind of open office hours where people can come in and, and have that communication go sort of both ways, not just top down and then uh, when ward meetings are happening attend those and um, and just yeah and have you know those types of meetings where you go out to where people are and hear from them about what the issues are in their neighborhood and um, so I think that that's I think that's going to be a really interesting approach. It's worked well in the past when we've had neighborhood barbecues. We've had you know a couple hundred people come out and, and people love it. They get to know their neighbors. It builds community. You know, Their kids are playing together. Uh, and so it's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to doing some of that. Um, and like I said, when I, I came out with my policy commitments, and it was specifically things that I knew that there was sort of broad support in the community for because it's what I've been hearing. Um, and so I think that there is – there will be support behind that. And then it's just working with staff and council to making sure that we can get the support going forward.
0: Mm -hmm. I I do believe we have our first caller on the line. Uh, Bill, are you there? Hello? Bill Templeman?
1: He's not. Talk to us, Bill. This is a good cross-pollination of Peter Poe podcasters. We've we've lost him,
0: I think.
2: Bill, are you there? (laughs) No, okay, he's gone. We're here for you, Bill,
1: whenever (laughs) you're ready.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: I super lost him.
2: This is what we said when we're super live and it's trial and error. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Classic Trent radio. Come on, millennials, figure out this technology. Um, It's actually probably older than you guys, this Uh, switchboard. It probably is. Oh, probably.
0: I think it's from... I think I asked John Muir once, and I think he said it was from the 70s or oh, 80s, God. and they don't make the pieces anymore for it. Yeah, so <laughs> we can't fix it. The actual, like, these little knobs, uh, John ordered them in bulk in, like, the early 2000s because they were going to stop manufacturing Smart. Them. <laughs> Anyways, that's a random aside. Um, I had a follow-up question, but did you have something you wanted to add? Not on the same
1: topic, so why don't you uh, go for it?
0: Um, One of the feelings that I've been having, uh, having lived in Peterborough for two uh, city council terms is I feel like there's some issues with how city hall and city council communicates with the public Um, in terms of, I think city council deals with a lot more information that doesn't get communicated through the news or things Mm -hmm. like that. You look at the sale of PDI or the casino and considering the fact that a lot of those things were... Uh, like the advice that was given to city council um, was a lot more extensive than what was necessarily communicated to the public. Right. Um, I was just wondering if if you think that's an issue as well and do you have a a course of action? You've mentioned some town halls and things. but
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think... um You know, they've been getting better at uh, having reports, trying to get reports released to the public earlier uh, and also having some summaries that are in sort of more layman's terms, I think is important Um, using, you know, they do rely a lot on... um, you know, kind of ads in the in the hard copy newspaper for when there's meetings around mm-hmm. certain things, uh, but also making sure that we have a good social media presence, which has started to improve, but still is behind where a lot of cities are uh, in terms of reaching out to people that way. So I think there's you know we have a lot of tools that we can use to get a, to get out there uh, and making sure that we're communicating you know through councilors to specific wards, and then also you know there's a lot of really great like neighborhood associations, which are a great conduit to get information out. Um, and to sort of marshal those resources. And so people that, you know, volunteered on these campaigns or those sorts of things might want to be interested in helping to spread the word to their networks around around the kind of things that are, that are happening. But yeah, certainly I think that it's something that we can improve on and we'll be looking for ways to do that over the next four years. Absolutely.
0: Great. Okay. I think we have Bill again. Maybe. Bill, Templeman, are you there?
1: Okay. He's not.
2: Uh, he might be super quiet bill it's not personal okay (laughs) bill if you're gonna ask about the parkway (laughs) i can tell you Uh, yeah i'm here (laughs) oh hi bill oh he's
1: here hello there he is
2: can you hear us you're on
1: the radio Yep.
2: i could barely hear him (laughs) (laughs)
0: Bill. (laughs) bill you're live on the air do you have a question Oh, I hello? think he's listening to us through the radio. Um, Bill, you can hear us. Uh, you should be no, able to hear I can't soon.
3: hear you over the phone.
0: You can't hear us over the phone. Is that any better? No,
3: I can't, cannot hear you over the phone. Okay,
0: okay weird. Um,
2: we'll ask us a question anyway.
0: Oh, I know what's wrong. Uh, can you hear me now? <laughs>
3: uh, okay. Um, yes, I do. Uh, well, hello, Diane, and congratulations.
2: Thank you. <laughs> okay.
0: Bill, I don't know if you can hear us, but can you just ask your question <laughs> and then maybe listen on the radio for the answer?
3: <laughs> no, I can't hear you over the phone.
1: Okay. I don't know what's going wrong. That's fine. Just ask your question. So no, I, I yeah. can yeah.
3: hear you because I have uh, you know, the program on, on my uh, cell phone, but I can't hear you over the phone.
0: Okay. Well, we'll just ask you a question, and then uh, we'll let you go, and then you can listen to the answer on the radio, and we'll try to sort this out.
3: Okay. I'll ask you a question anyway, Um, Diane. um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you cut out?
2: (laughs) Or
3: (laughs) all right, I'll I'll just keep babbling here, and I know the technology will catch up. First of all,
1: um, I don't think we're going to get his question. There's so much suspense, guys. I know. <laughs> okay, this might not work. I think uh, we should move on.
2: Bill, tweet us, yo.
1: Tweet us. Yeah, yeah Bill. I, I, I know you're on Twitter, Bill. Why don't you tweet us a okay, question? Okay, so,
3: so, le- so let me just ask the question anyway. Yes. Uh, I will turn off my phone so I don't get totally confused. Yes. Um, Diane, um, you're probably aware of, um, or are you aware of, uh, what they've done uh around the issue of uh, homelessness out in Medicine Hat, Alberta. About two years ago, they decided the uh, city government in Medicine Hat, and it's it's about the size of Peterborough. Actually, it's a bit smaller. Um, They said, we're going to eliminate homelessness. And so they (laughs) what they did is they provided homes to everyone. And I don't know the financing of it, but they provided accommodation to everyone. And now for two years... Medicine Hat has not had homelessness. They've been homelessness-free. And, uh, you know, I, I dug into that a bit yesterday in Google, although I couldn't find out anything about the financing. Um, given the uh, vacancy rate and the housing situation in Peterborough, uh, I'm wondering, is there uh, enthusiasm on uh, the new council when you're all sworn in on the 3rd of December? Um, to do this? I mean, why not? That's my question.
2: <laughs> that's a good question, Bill. Thank you. Uh, and so certainly, uh, Medicine Hat is an example that's talked about frequently, in terms of uh, examples of how, how to deal with uh, homelessness. And um, It is. we know that it's cheaper to keep people housed than it is to have them go through the shelter system. And so uh, the housing-first approach is something that city staff here has been looked at. Part of the issue that we have here in Peterborough is just the lack of available housing stock. Uh, And so when you're putting people that have been... um, Experiencing homelessness and living on the street for a while into housing, they need to have proper supports to help keep them housed, uh, and so that's something that needs to be considered too. Um, it's you know there there was examples of uh, I can't remember if it was Medicine Hat or somewhere somewhere else that was trying this model where they kind of put people out in apartments, you know, kind of out of the city core and people were really lonely out there because their support system was gone. All their friends weren't around and they didn't have access to the, the right services to help keep them housed. And so it's something that we want to look at, but it needs to be done in a really careful way um, so that you can make sure that people are, are, st- are going to be housed, but stayed they're staying housed and that they have the wraparound services to help them deal with, you know, mental health and addictions and um, help them get counselling and employment supports and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I know that staff is looking at it. I'm meeting with some of the, the housing uh, and social services staff in the coming weeks to discuss that. But um, it is also, you know, exacerbated by the, the, you know, the fact of our low vacancy rate, and we have a lot of students coming in who are, um, you know, so there's kind of this competition for some of those, those affordable. Affordable rental units so we're at uh, this really problematic and interesting place where we need more housing built but we also need to make sure that when new stuff's going in it's a, it's affordable and geared to income and that we have a variety of housing types um, but yeah there's also ways you know of looking at you know tiny homes and that kind of laneway houses that they're doing in Hamilton they're starting to talk about that so there's a lot of things that we can do um, and that we are going to need to get going on because it's a problem that's going to get worse before it gets better
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget the the strong relationships and strong communities that exist within mm-hmm. the homeless community. Um, they support each other, they help each other, and yeah, as Dan was saying, when you house someone without giving them the supports that they need and without keeping them connected to the community that was supporting them already, yeah, um, they can they can actually lose a lot in that process. So yeah, yeah. I think that's important to remember. So
2: yeah, it's so it's a good model, but it needs to be. There's there are issues with it. Mm-hmm. And then like, so my understanding too, that in Medicine Hat, then people were going there from other communities because they were able to get a home. And we see that a little bit in Peterborough, people come here from other communities, because we do have a lot of really great social services and supports, but then it exacerbates the, you know, the housing crisis, and it sort of be- becomes this um becomes this problem that gets, how do we house everybody, but make sure we're providing the proper supports. And then when people hear, you know, I've heard for like people in Oshawa coming to Peterborough because they're told, oh, they've got great social services there. And then our, you know, our caseworkers here are really overloaded and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, overworked and underpaid, and then people can't find places to live. And it just... So there's, it's like one of those problems that it's like all hands on deck is going to be required to actually deal with it. And we're going to need support from the province and the feds who have talked about mental health and stuff, but haven't actually given us any money.
0: Mm-hmm. I think um, we're going to take a, a music break shortly to help sort out the phones. Um, but I also just wanted to ask you about, um, like talking to uh, former mayor or current mayor, Daryl Bennett, about the housing crisis. Um, there, his kind of strategy was um, to to facilitate the building of higher-end homes um, and higher-end apartment buildings uh, in the sense that it will help uh, move things up Market. So people will move up from like middle income housing and free up spaces for in low income housing, and everyone just kind of moves up this ladder. Um, and so that's why there have been so many subdivisions built and, you know, y- the Y lofts and other kind of projects like that approved. I was, I'm wondering if if you agree with that kind of approach to no. housing and um,
2: <laughs> what's your alternative? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, that's like, it's a, everybody's going to move up. It's like the opposite of trickle down economics, yeah. like trickle up economics, yeah. which we also know doesn't work. Uh, And so when, you know, these new houses are being um, advertised and the new subdivisions that they're like starting at, you know, townhomes from like Mm $400,000 and um, that's out of reach for most people uh, my age and uh, like, I've talked to a lot of people that are, you know, two young professionals. They're both working full-time jobs, and they're still having a hard time finding a house in, in Peterborough. And and what we're dealing with now, too, is getting, you know, the the influx of people from the Durham region and the GTA who mm-hmm. are priced out of there. So, that's driving housing prices up here. So, people are getting, you know, outbid by $100,000 on a starter home. Mm-hmm. And so, building that, you know, that... um a lot of that high end, you need to have a a variety of housing types. So certainly, you know, so in the downtown, as an example, um, it is good to have a mix of housing there. You want to like the Y lofts. That's great. I can't wait to see them get built, even though I, I I recognize that they're not going to actually be affordable for, for a lot of people, but you need to make sure then that you're, you're not pushing out, uh, the low income people that live downtown. But when we're building these new subdivisions, I think that we need to have inclusionary zoning and have, um, you know, some single family homes because we know we need them, but we also, you know, there's a lot of seniors looking to downsize. uh, And so building more, you know, three or four story apartment buildings where students and seniors and young people can live or single people can live um, is important. And so it's not, you know, just building that higher end thing because who, like, I don't have any, I have friends that would love to live in the Wyloffs building, but they see the prices and they're like, well, we can't actually afford that. And those are people that are working like good, jobs at the M&R. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't actually work <laughs> that way. And anybody that's been on a low income knows that. And mm-hmm. so I have that experience. Um, Daryl do- doesn't have that experience of having mm-hmm. to deal with, you know, living living below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you get to, to realize that that's actually what people say is affordable, um, isn't actually affordable for people.
0: And I think we see other projects coming up, like I haven't seen pricing on it, but um, the Lily... Little Lake or... Yeah, the Little Lake development. That's... The Crescent Street there. Crescent Street, yeah. yeah. And then there's another one on Lansdowne that was um, announced recently. Um, But I'm just thinking in the past, you know, since I've lived in Peterborough, the only kind of new build I guess that I've seen for affordable housing and like specifically affordable housing is the mount I think is the one that comes to mind for me so how what's the process for getting specifically affordable housing built and not just more housing but specific Mm -hmm. affordable housing and and how can you help facilitate that as mayor
2: yeah and so the municipality has some incentives to build affordable housing um that have been used a few times so there's a there's a building on Edinburgh that is that use some of those incentives. And it's got I think it's seniors specifically, mm-hmm. um, but it's not really enough. And I can understand it from, you know, a private developer's perspective that, you know, that they because I've heard some of them say, well, it's not my job to build affordable housing. OK, fine. Um, so you need to try to, to make it worthwhile to them because I get it like building the high end is where they get their money is where they make money from um but you can you can provide you know zoning clauses around well if you want to build x amount here you need to have Thirty percent of them be affordable or below market rent. Um, so there are there are levers that we can use. I'm meeting with the home builders association next week because I know they're uh, very worried <laughs> <laughs> about what I'm going to do now that I've been elected. <laughs> um, but that's the thing you want to make sure that there's ha- there's housing for for everyone. And so there are ways to do it. Other municipalities have have examples of that. Um, and you also don't want to build sort of like ghetto, you know, you don't want to ghettoize mm-hmm. things or or isolate, uh, which has ha- happened, you know, when they built cooperative housing back in the day. A lot of them you'll see are like on the out- what were the outskirts of the city and sort of in these little pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a healthy neighborhood is characterized by mixed density and mixed income and mixed use. Yeah. So when we're building like the new s- subdivision out uh, in the East City, which is going to be its own logistical nightmare, Um making sure that there are like shot and any, this is the thing too. I think any commercial that we're building should be built with a residential on top, like how they used to do, whoops, how they used to do back in the day, which we see all all here. And I was Mm -hmm. on Lansdowne yesterday and it was just like, man, there's acres and acres and acres of buildings here where if there were apartments built above, um, you know, there would be hundreds and hundreds of more housing units. Uh, and there's way to do like partnerships, because I know like some commercial developers aren't going to want to deal with the housing side and, and housing. Like I met with Habitat for Humanity, they don't really want to have to do with the commercial stuff, but you can have partnerships where, you know, Burger King or whoever does, you know, their base the main floor and then above the you know Habitat or one of those partners kind of steps in to help with the construction and then the administration of the, of the housing piece. Mm-hmm. So there are examples of creative partnerships that we need to be looking at.
0: Mm. Great. I think we have uh, an, another caller uh-huh. ready but we're going to take a little break to uh, try to sort out the phones because we were having some problems earlier. And keep them in suspense. Yes.
1: Who's is it, it going to be? be? Who's
0: it going to be? <laughs> uh, but first up it is Nick Ferriero with Don't Mess This Up. <laughs> <laughs> This
4: isn't the place This isn't the time I'm
1: Video tradition of troubleshooting the phone.
4: Live on air. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, there's even a station ID where they're just yeah. troubleshooting the phones. Um, so we have a sort of solution where um, you might not if you call in to 705 741 4011 you will be able to ask your question. But um, you probably won't be able to hear the answer through the phone. So you'll have to just turn up your radio again. And um, yeah, and if you're listening
2: online, then there's a- going to be a big delay. So yes. listen from an old school radio.
0: If you can. And if not, just, um, I don't know. Tweet it's going to sound weird. Yeah, tweet us. Uh, <laughs> PTBO underscore currents. Um, yeah, so again, the phone number is 705-741-4011. And we have a caller who I believe is sitting in the next room. Jeff, can you hear us?
5: Yeah. Ooh, we can hear him. Hey. Wonderful. Wait, I can hear you through the phone.
0: Good. Great, maybe it's working. Wonderful. Okay. Okay, so disregard, I don't know. Well, Just maybe it's because the call it. is coming
5: from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um, I think you roll the dice every time you uh, work with the phones here. Oh, fun.
1: What's the question, That's Jeff?
5: Experience. Diane. <laughs> Right. Yes. Um, so, Open Parliament is a really cool website where you can see the goings on of every single uh, meeting. Um, is that something that happens at in in Peterborough?
2: Uh, so what do you mean, the goings on? Like you can stream like, uh,
5: the at, meetings at online the, at all the meetings that are held by Parliament. They have, uh, I guess, like a stenographer who records everything that happens. Hmm. Um, Maybe he means like committee it, meetings it too. It's made public, and everyone can read like every word that's said in that meeting. Ah, is that something okay. That Peterborough does.
2: Peterborough does not do that. Uh, even the uh, general committee and council meetings, the minutes are very bare. Like they're, they're okay. they don't include anything about discussion, um, okay. and so that's something that certainly can be looked at. We would have to, um, you know, have a staff person in place to be able to take those to take those notes during the meetings. But that is a good idea. Uh, And there's also, as as Will was mentioning, a bunch of other committees, you know, Arts, Culture, and Heritage, and Mm -hmm. um, Affordable Housing Advisory Committee, and Youth Commission, and and all of those, which, again, you know, agendas are generally made public, um, but I don't know that the minutes even are. I'd have to check the website. But yeah, I think anything that we can do to try to make City Hall more open uh, and transparent and provide that information to people so that they you know you don't necessarily have to tune in and stream the meeting on the Monday night, but you can access the information that was discussed at a later time, I think is really uh, is really interesting. So I actually haven't seen that open Parliament website, but I will definitely put it on my list of things to look at.
5: Oh, check it out. They're very saucy
2: sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, because I think that's a great idea. Yeah, no problem.
5: Yeah, I'd love to see something like that. Um, I I hope you can make that happen.
2: Yeah, and I know in Kitchener and some other municipalities, too, they've been having sort of like open data hackathons, which I still don't fully understand, because that's not my background. Um, But I know, like, Trent just had their Electric City Hacks last night maybe it's still happening yeah. um and so there are ways that the municipality can provide data to people uh who are able to take it and and uh, turn it into something that's more usable so there's because there's oh. a lot of information that our you know our mapping um, department has and planning and all of that so um providing the public with more information about like the goings on it's the staff level i think um could be useful
5: mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I just wanted I wanted to, to touch on that hacking thing since you brought it up. Um, I'm sure you've heard of some municipalities who have been hacked and their utilities shut down and things like that um, by by just people who want to, like, basically they'll get into the computer system and they'll shut it down so that it can't be turned on unless they relinquish a very large sum of money. Um, oh. And, uh, it's yeah, it's terrible. I hadn't heard about um, that, actually. I think it, it happened it, in it,
0: Midland, it, Ontario. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's scary. Time target. Um, and so this is something I think is a, is a big concern for, for uh, it should be a big concern for Peterborough. Um, and I was thinking too, I'm a little biased, but I'm, I'm at the computer security uh, program at Fleming. Uh, that would probably be a really interesting partnership is mm-hmm. getting getting some students doing sort of like, like cooperative work at the city, working on bolstering the security. Um, yeah. What do you think about that?
2: I think that's great. And that's something that I've talked about with a few people um, with regards to having, um, you know, like s- having more students from, trent and fleming uh be able to do sort of like placements or cooperative um or internships or whatever to try to help uh improve some of the stuff that's going on at the city so that would be a prime example and there's a few others around um uh like the parks department and all that well we don't actually have a parks department but like the uh yeah. parks and rec and that kind of thing so i think that's a great idea i'm happy to chat about that further
5: sweet sweet all right i think that's that's all i had for you thanks Sam. thank you thanks a lot jeff. thanks
2: for calling jeff
4: yeah. Take
1: care. So I want to talk about the casino, <laughs> and you know, I, the casino is open. So I don't want to like, sort of revisit whether that's a good idea, or whether it should be should have been built where it was built. But I think that given the city is now going to be receiving, I think six million dollars a year in revenue from the city. Is that not accurate?
2: Well, we don't know yet. So that's like. You know, um, I feel like that, that it would be great if it was six million. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't want to expect that it would be that that high.
1: Right. So, given that the city's going to be receiving some revenue, yeah. from the <laughs> casino, I'm just wondering what you think the city's responsibility is to people that might have a gambling problem in in the community, or people that might not that need, might need support managing their gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, do you think some of that money should be used to support those kinds of people
2: yeah I think um, I think that you're marking a, a a portion of that money for housing uh, and and for you know supports um, it's going to be interesting too to see with this new provincial government. Um, because under the last conservative provincial government back in the the nineties, I guess they downloaded a bunch of social services, and the and the liberals were just in the process of finishing re-uploading that, basically. So the municipalities, um, like in the nineties, the municipalities were made to pay for a lot of the Ontario works and that kind of thing, and then, but that's a provincial responsibility. So the liberals did take that back, that responsibility back. Uh, but there's a lot of concern. That under the Ford government, they're going to download that responsibility again, but Mm -hmm. not actually give us the money to deal with it. So Mm -hmm. we're going to have to be, you know, be aware that that is something that may happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that case, I think, you know, having the casino revenue coming in will be helpful to try to offset some of those costs. Um, But I think, yeah, and I'm not, I'm you know, I'm familiar with a lot of the social service agencies in town, but I don't know that there's any that are specifically for like with gambling. I know that at casinos, there will be like a little... You know, like there's like a room where you can go to talk to somebody if you have an issue that's um, and I haven't been in a lot of casinos, quite frankly. Um, But I think, yeah, we're going to have to see how it plays out. We don't really have a good idea yet of what the fallout is going to be. And again, it's one of those things where regardless of how you feel about the casino or building it on a wetland or whatever um we're at the point where it's open it's happening okay so we have to like make the best out of the situation Mm -hmm. and so if we are getting those revenues then we can at least use them in a proactive way so some of that will go to capital projects obviously you know fixing up some of the roads and um sidewalks and and accessibility and all of that but i think we will have to have a good look at spending some of that on some of the social services and housing programs that um that might be needed as a result of of having that facility in town. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've also heard of in BC, the Lotto and Gaming Commission gives out grants and arts and culture and community grants uh, based on the income that they make from gambling and the lottery.
2: Yeah, um, Shorelines has, you know, they do sponsor a lot of things. Mm. Uh, They sponsor like Music Fest now, and there's a few other things that I saw that, you know, that they were sponsoring. They have a lot of money, and so it makes sense that they put some of that back in the community. And it's also for them, you know, um, like those big companies do like to do those sponsorships for, you know, PR and all Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so I'm meeting with, again, I'm meeting with those guys uh, later in the month to get um, a handle on what they're interested in in looking at and what we can maybe work together on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting kind of conversation closing the gap between housing like we were talking about earlier and you know addictions and gambling mm-hmm. um, is there any sense of bringing those two kind of conversations together like maybe bringing shorelines to the table and sponsoring an affordable housing project
2: yeah that's certainly something that we can can chat about um, like I said it's at the very like preliminary stages and because it just opened the other month like we're still trying to get a handle on what the actual revenue might look like and, and all of that so but I you know um pretty much open to to any conversation and we'll see what they have to say as well cool
0: yeah I just want to plug the the phone number again. So you can call in and chat with us. Um, We're speaking. uh, My name is Aisha Barmania. I'm joined by my co-host, Will, and Mayor-elect Diane Terrian. Uh, You're welcome to call in and ask questions and contribute to the conversation. It it may or may not work, (laughs) but try. (laughs) Uh, Phone in to 705-741-4011. And you can tweet us and we can read some tweets. Um, Our Twitter handle is PTBO underscore Currents. Um, Will I know you have some more questions? Do you want to get to those before we? Sure. Run out of time? Um,
1: so you brought up, uh, you know, trying to foresee what might happen to the municipality under the new provincial government. Um, I think that there's a there's certainly a sense that there's going to be less financial resources made available to municipalities, so that it'll it'll certainly be a challenge to to be in charge of a municipality over the next few years. Um, I guess sometimes I I, I I wonder if we think of municipal government as too too much in terms of the, how how the money gets spent. And I think that our politicians aren't necessarily just sort of bean counters deciding, you know, let's fund this or let's not fund that. Given that you might not have the resources that the city has had in the past, you know, what what kinds of things can a city council do that doesn't cost money or that... uh <laughs> that, that is inexpensive. So what can you do as a community leader? Hmm. What can council do as a community leader to get initiatives off the ground?
2: Yeah, good question. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like, what can we do? That doesn't cost money. Everything <laughs> costs, and it costs more than you'd even think. Like even, you know, put, putting in a new bus shelter costs more money than you would think. But um, I think that one of the things that we can do that is relatively cheap and or free is around... Um, the, like I talked about the public engagement and, and transparency piece where, you know, that's kind of one of those things where you just sort of lead by example and encourage the rest of council to do the same thing. And so having, um, you know, we've talked about having meetings potentially, like in the county, they do this where the county meet, the council meeting moves around to the different high schools so that the students there get an idea of what the council meeting looks like. It's, t- it's trickier here because our council meets in the evening. And so high school high school students aren't in school at that point. So, but there are interesting ideas around like, how do you get um, young people in particular to be really aware of what municipal government even does? Because I think even though it's the most tangible level of government, it's often the one that people pay the least amount of attention to until, you know, the bus doesn't come or your garbage doesn't get picked up or, or that kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think also forming, you know, partnerships, with some of the organizations that do have uh, some money available is something that we're going to be looking at. so we talked about like meeting with shorelines um, and met with Habitat who, like, for example, they have um, the ability uh, and to finance new, new housing builds. They just don't have land, like availability of lands because mm. they get outbid by developers. And so um, is there is there a way to try to bridge that gap if the city does have some some city owned land that kind of thing uh but it's going to be yeah it's going to be an interesting and difficult four years um and we don't really have a sense of what of what is going to happen with the with the new like provincial budget so i mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's difficult to say
1: okay are there any topics that you want to jump to aisha should
0: nothing especially okay. um Happy to roll with what you've got planned, Will. Cool. Um,
1: <laughs> during the campaign, you said that you don't think the, the Peterborough community is ready for the 407 expansion and, and the effects that that will bring to the, to the Peterborough community. Can you elaborate on what you meant by that?
2: Sure. So I think p- part of it, as we've talked about, is housing, mm-hmm. um, the availability of housing types to accommodate um People here and young people here um, and low-income people here who are trying to find affordable and safe and adequate housing, uh, because like we talked about, people um, people from the GTA or the Durham region are coming here and buying buying houses. You know, which is great. You want people coming, and I'm I'm from away, so I know what it's like. But I've also seen over the you know decade that I've been here the the astronomical increase in rent and housing prices and so uh part of it is is that that we're not we don't have enough places for people to live um you know our transit system it needs to be to be revamped to accommodate um the increasing amount of people who want to who want to use it um and then also you know like the road the road structure the road system um we're in the middle of doing some like we've done upgrades on Park Hill and Braley, which I think should have been four laned. Um, they put the pads in for four lanes, but they only put two. Um, and so that when you have people that are commuting down t- there, down to the 115 to the 407, um, that's going to be one of the main thoroughfares that they used to get there. So, you know, that's, and then you have, you know, it's going by, you know, Crestwood and Fleming. And, and so that's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, yeah so I think that, that that that's part of it, and then also anticipating you know what um what kind of employment like we don't want people moving here exclusively who are all commuting elsewhere. you want to be able to also have a good base of employment in in the city and so there are a lot of people that I've met that that commute or that work from home and telecommute um and that's great, but we we also want to make sure that we're providing um opportunities for people to actually have, have good solid employment here. And so, and that's not necessarily the job of the municipality, but you want to work to promote it as a place where companies can relocate or, you know, there's a great culture of startups and entrepreneurs here. So the municipality needs to be working to try to support that. And so that's, yeah, you know, a bit of a, maybe a rambling answer, but I think that there's a whole host of things that we're, um, that we're going to be dealing with as a community that I think historically was very, Sort of kind of protective and and strong and insular, you know, like Peterborough Mm -hmm. can do it alone, go at it alone. Um, And, and things have changed so rapidly in the last, you know, 5, 10, 20 years. So we're still kind of scrambling to catch up to that.
1: Yeah, I was reading an article in the Toronto Star, and it was a—I forget what the story was, but it was about Peterborough, and I noticed that it was in the GTA section of the Toronto Star, right? And so yeah, well, wow, I guess Peterborough a part of the GTA now. I
2: think. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. I've been to several events down in sort of down in Oshawa, and the discussion around at the, what the what they're calling like the innovation corridor, which is sort of coming east from Toronto, um, and the amount of of you know companies and that are now in. In, in like Oshawa and even into Bowmanville and that and so Peterborough is getting linked into that um and so I've you know met with different mayors and different people um in those communities and so we need to be building strong partnerships between that because ultimately too if we want to say lobby for a proper um transit like go comes up a lot uh and you know go has said that if we hit a certain passenger threshold they'll consider putting a train in but mm. um they're never going to get the numbers that they're looking for because we don't have an express bus even from Peterborough. So people like myself and like Aisha will drive mm-hmm. to Oshawa um, rather than, than take the bus that stops, you know, four or five times on the way down. Mm-hmm. And so and because it doesn't run as frequently, you know, as it needs to to actually be a proper commuter um, commuter bus so you know in order to hit that threshold you need to at least have an express bus a couple times a day Mm -hmm. that people will want to take there
0: used to be one when i first started at trent there was one and i don't know why it went away yeah there's also considering the i don't know the nebulous plan of the via rail line running from peterborough to toronto and ottawa to peterborough to toronto Mm -hmm. um I don't know I if you have a sense of like if that's coming and I I guess also what are the implications of uh Peterborough becoming maybe a bit more like Barry or something where there's uh it's a bit more of a feeder community for Toronto like mm-hmm. how how can we preserve the things that make Peterborough great while also providing people with the option to work in a bigger place like Toronto.
2: Yeah, and it's tricky, right? And I think that it's, you know, part of it is uh, updating our official plan, which is in, in the process, which, you know, is hasn't been updated since before we were even born. <laughs> uh, and so making sure that you have very sp- specific guidelines around how you want to grow and what you're making sure to preserve. And so, you know, that comes into protecting our natural heritage and also our built heritage, uh, making sure that our, you know, our arts and music community aren't getting priced out, which I know is a great concern right now, because that's one of the things that like when I moved here, that was p- part of why I fell in love with the cities. Cause um, you can go out, pretty much every night of the week and there's music or art now that's changing because a lot of the music venues have closed, Mm -hmm. um, which sucks. So we need to be, you know, as a community, and this is like not, you know, necessarily the city's job, but as a community really rallying to try to support those things that we love about it. Um, in terms of the train, um, there's been talk about that and there used to be, my mom used to take the via to Peterborough when she was a kid. Um, and so that, that's a federal thing. So they've been, I know, talking about that. And I think I'm maybe doing a study on it right now and then go with provincial. And so there's kind of like at the whim of those levels of government. So we can, again, work with the communities that would be impacted by it to, to lobby, to have that investment put into our community. Um, but then, yeah, it is tricky because you want to make sure that people aren't just sleeping here and like going to Toronto and then coming back. And I mean, you all, you know, there's a reason why people choose to live here and, um, And a lot of it is more than just the, you know, the relative housing affordability compared to the GTA. Um, It has to do with the fact that, you know, you're close to um, lakes and cottage country, and we've got great trails and parks. And so we need to make sure that we're preserving that, you know, that green space um, as well, because that's one of the things that makes our community really livable and that... um, and so we need to be putting a, a value on that. Like if we assess the value of Jackson's Park at the, you know, the same way that they assess the value of what it would cost to build the parkway, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- those economics would look very different. Hmm. That might have gone off topic.
0: No, it's, uh, no I think it was. Uh, <laughs> um, I hadn't heard that uh, that Go would consider putting a train up here as, as a threshold thing um, about Maybe we could organize, like, a week of, like, the people who drive. Everybody yeah. Every, yeah. take the bus. Everybody yeah. take the bus. Come on.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> and <laughs> my understanding is that it would be, like, a certain ridership over the year. Okay. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But, again, they're not going to get accurate numbers without having a proper mm-hmm. express bus, right? And I
0: know a lot of people carpool to Oshawa. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Did you... Yeah, Um, Actually, let me plug the phone number again. Um, Call us. Call us, everybody. Yes, call us. Uh, We're live right now. Um, This is Peterborough Currents, and we're talking to uh, Mayor-elect Diane Terrian. And you can phone in to ask a question, share share your thoughts. Um, You can phone in 705-741-4011. That is 705-741-4011. And um, reach us on Twitter, PTBO underscore Currents.
1: We have a question from Twitter. Wonderful! It's from our friend Bill Templeman.
0: <laughs> yes, sorry we, uh, sorry we couldn't get you on better, t- Bill. And I wanted to say we weren't laughing at you. It just sounded like very funny
1: with the it delay. Was, yeah, we love you, Bill. It's yeah. So Bill is following up on uh, some of the things we've been talking about. He's uh, looking at the example of the first Friday crawl is a great social event that showcases Peterbo artists, uh, and he's wondering what the mayor and council can do to ensure that artists aren't priced out of downtown? Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah, that's a good qu- that's a good question. Um, and something that certainly I've talked with a lot of the First Friday Art Crawl people, like the arts community about. Um, and, the, you know, the economic spinoff for all the surrounding businesses on a, on a First Friday is huge. Like I know Watson and Lou, I think they said they had like 200% more sales on a First Friday Art Crawl. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, the amount of economic development and economic spinoff that arts bring is like... I think statistically it's even more than, you know, like hockey and, you know, Peterborough prides itself on being a hockey town, but it's also like if we spent a fraction of what we spent on arenas on supporting our arts community, um, it would, A, our arts community would be able to really, like they thrive now, but against all odds kind of thing. Um, and without municipal support really. And so um, it's something that I would like to, to see the city uh, put more investment in. Um, I'm not sure at this point, like what that necessarily looks like. And cause that's, again, I don't come from an arts background i enjoy it but i don't know the logistics of what it takes to run a studio or or do all of that but i know there has been a lot of talk about of wanting to start sort of an arts hub um and there are a couple places that could be um like downtown in particular that could be good for that i just you know talking about like the the logistics around like the real estate and all of that. But it is something that if the city purchases the building, then we turn it over to them, to the arts collective, to be able to, to run it. I don't like, Mm -hmm. those are things that I want to explore, but I don't have the answers to, to that yet. But again, it's also, you know, when we're talking about uh, new developments in the downtown, um, like I said, we need to make sure that we have a mix of housing and that we're not pricing out, you know, artists that have lived in those studios for 20, 30 years or Joe Stable has been there for like 40, 40, 50 years. Right. Um, because they are valuable uh, economic drivers and, sit- and members of our community. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting one, but I think, and again, it's it's one of those ones that there's examples in other municipalities of how they've done it. And so I'm the kind of person that also likes to look at, you know, as somebody who, you know, has a background in academia, too, is like you look at uh, evidence and examples of what works and what doesn't work and then try to and try to then tailor that to a local Peterborough context.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I know there's 401 Richmond in Toronto that has had great success with, um, they basically salvaged this old mm-hmm. factory house, factory warehouse, and um, converted it into affordable arts apartments. And it's a mix of, uh, you know, market rent offices yeah. and, and spaces, and a mix of uh, lower, uh, lower rent, yeah. basically for artists who, yeah, are and just that's starting. A,
2: yeah, it's a good example. I mean, that worked because they had you know that one benefactor who. Like was very wealthy and, and mm-hmm. was able to help finance that, and did that for you know out of the uh, you know out of the goodness of their heart, so it, you know th- that's one example, um, and it would be great if we had somebody like that in Peterborough who wanted to help take that on um, but then also there are ways that the municipality can be more supportive of of the arts because I think that um, they haven't been properly valued uh, for like the actual economic Uh, spin-off and and all of that that they provide, plus just like the quality of life, which is one of those intangible values that the arts and culture provide. Mm
1: -hmm. We have a question on Twitter. Uh, Before we go to it, I think I'd like to follow up another arts-related question. Um,
0: But first, we should say that you're listening to Peterborough Currents, broadcast through the facilities of Trent Radio, 92.7 CFFF FM in Peterborough, Ontario.
1: Yes. Um, One of the ways that the city does support arts and arts directly is through the community grants and arts funding. Um, last year, um, those grants weren't, weren't uh, given out in their entirety because I, I guess city staff thought that the applications weren't good enough or didn't warrant uh, the funding. I'm wondering The, the
0: deadline also changed the uh, deadline at the last changed, minute. Was the reason?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering what we can do to make that process easier for... Mm-hmm. How How can we make that money... First of all, how can we grow that money if if we can? And how can we make it more accessible Mm-hmm. to two artists.
2: And I've had some conversations with people about wanting to um like reevaluate that that process. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I know there's a few councilors that are really keen on as well as community members. So uh, I think that that's going to be one of the things that some like the people that sit on the community investments grants committee, there's a couple councilors that are really keen on it, which is great and they're going to work with staff and with um and with the committee to to try to make that process easier um and to make sure that we actually are giving out all the money that we've earmarked for
1: it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that in other other communities, um, the arts community evaluates those those applications rather than the city government. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's a direction that Peterborough might like to go.
2: Yeah. Uh, And again, it's one of those things where I would defer to what um, the committee decides because you know i don't know best practices for how to you know but if we're going to like peer evaluation or whatever like that's that's great um if it if it works out i mean you know in a small community like peterborough where everybody kind of knows each other it can can kind of be it can get to be problematic Mm -hmm. and so um but there's got to be a way that sort of meets in the middle uh and so yeah i think that yeah the committee wants to sort of reevaluate the guidelines and the process so um that will be hopefully um improved going forward
0: and we received another question from Twitter from Zach Barmania. Um,
2: no relation. <laughs> yes, relation. <Malaysian. laughs> He's my brother. <laughs>
0: um, so Zach asks, I'm curious to hear how mayor-elect would respond to a hate crime like the arson attack upon the Masjid al-Salam mosque in 2015. Peterborough has a strong Antifa presence. What is the mindset going into your mayoral term?
2: Good question. Uh, and so, I mean, last year when... Um, the city issued a permit for um, that neo-Nazi to have a rally. I was very, uh, I was the one that brought it up and spoke against it. And, um, and the community is great. Like they rallied and and it had nothing to do with me, Um, but the, you know, the solidarity weekend that happened was, you know, kind of proved that our community uh, will come out in force when, you know, when we need to, I think that being, um, just really out you know outspoken against those types of um hate crimes and promoting a culture of inclusivity and and acceptance and love and all of that is something that i that i just do as a person um, So, would continue to do as mayor and, um, and yeah, reevaluating the the process for how we issue permits maybe and making sure that nobody gets one that's going to use that as a platform for, for hatred and intolerance. Um, but I mean, you know, I was at the vigil on Monday, I think it was for um, that the, that the synagogue organized in um, solidarity with the victims in Pittsburgh. And so I think it's really important for elected officials to, be there and be present um just you know not to take up space like and and use it as a platform to talk but just to like be there to show solidarity with with groups and so i've done that i've you know i and i'll continue to do that um because it's important to, to for people to see that the that um elected officials are our allies in in the fight against um the you know rise of the the right like the hard right mm-hmm. so I know
0: it's an option for you as mayor to sit on the police services board. Are, are you going to take that opportunity? And how will you work with police to make sure we're tracking hate crimes correctly? Because mm-hmm. that's, I know, been an issue where certain things aren't being actually tracked as hateful when people right. of color actually experience them as, yeah. as hateful. Um, h- how are you approaching that Yeah, and I,
2: was, I used to sit on the community race relations board, and so I know... Um, that that's that that's been an issue in the past and I have great relationships with the deputy chief and the incoming the new chief of police and uh with Peter Williams who's their community sort of outreach and engagement guy I forget his actual title but um (laughs) yeah sitting on the police services board and making sure that they're taking that um those types of incidents seriously and I don't actually know like the process for how you go about filing uh, a report on a hate crime but making sure that at police station those are being taken seriously and that people are being treated with respect and um and so that's certainly something that i can have a discussion about with with them i know that the police are, are keen to 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 make sure that people are feel comfortable coming forward and there's you know um the the uh New police chief is coming from, from Toronto, which is, uh, you know, a much more diverse community than Peterborough, even though we're, we're getting there. Um, and we have a more diverse council now than we ever have before, which is great. And so I think working with, with council um, as well to, to hear about, like, what are the best ways to make sure that people are feeling like they are being heard and that they're being taken seriously um, is something that we'll, that we'll be working on.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted to follow up on the other half of Zach's question about um, there being a fairly strong anti-fascist um, movement in in Peterborough. Um, what's your reaction to Antifa, and, and how do you approach the them when you see them?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good question. I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't. I mean, I've I guess I've seen them at some of the the rallies. The rallies. Stuff. Yeah. I just kind of. I don't, I just kind of hang out in the middle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, it's it's an interesting conversation because, you know, there's the people that are like, you know, approach things with love. And, and then there are people, you know, that, you know, like Indigenous people in particular who are like, well, we've tried that for decades and it hasn't worked. Right. And so um, I think that, yeah, we need to, yeah, it's a good question because I'm not going to like promote um you know, violent acts or anything like that. But I think it is we do need to stand hard, stand firm against you know people that are coming out and with hate speech and that are that want are looking for violence. You know, um, and but we need to be um, making sure that we're not then. You know, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to look for? Like you don't want to be seen to be discrediting the cause. Um, And that's what happens when, that's what makes the news, right? When the solidarity was happening, there was one incident of violence, Mm -hmm. we'll say, um, which then dominated, like, the national headlines. And it was like, well, we didn't talk about the fact that there was, like, a couple thousand people who were um, there together in solidarity and in love and and in a nonviolent way. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting one, um, and we'll kind of have to monitor it as it goes forward and see see what happens. But I think, again, like, being a strong voice for... um, for being uh, inclusive and and not accepting of you know hate speech and those those kinds of ideals is important.
1: Mm-hmm. Great, um, I feel like we should let our guests know that it's eleven oh seven. Yeah, so and I actually to- have
2: to leave at about eleven fifteen. Okay, okay. Uh. that's fine. <laughs> So, if
0: you call in quick, you might get be the last caller. Um, so, seven zero five seven four one four zero one one. You can also get us on Twitter, ptbo underscore currents. Um, Will I know you have some more questions? So,
1: well, I wonder if we should ask uh, Diane if there's anything that she feels hasn't been discussed as much as it should be, or wasn't discussed as much as, oh. as it should have been during the campaign is there anything that you're exci- that you're really excited about that the media or the rest isn't as excited about good
2: question um, yeah, I don't that's a good question. I think you know we didn't talk a lot during the campaign about um like we talk a lot about transportation and that tends to be like roads mm-hmm. um but also I'm really excited that we have a council um that I I think we'll be able to work together on a lot of things, including um, active transportation and bike lanes. So is it
1: too late to get bike lanes on Charlotte No, State? it's
2: not. <laughs> I, I went to the planner and I said, we're, so I was like, how far along are the, is that design? Because we're going to get bike lanes on Charlotte. He's like, yeah, if the mayor wants bike lanes on Charlotte, that's, we'll do it. Uh, and I know now that the votes are there to get bike lanes on Charlotte. So that's going to be happening. I mean, the contracts, I don't think have gone out yet. Uh, but it's still in the detailed design stage, so it's not too late to to revamp that. Now, I want to make sure that we're talking. I know there was some concern from business owners along along that stretch, um, and so and I know a lot of them because you know, we're, that's my hood. And so, um, <laughs> chatting with them to make sure that it's like, okay, you still will have parking, um, and uh, and actually, you know, evidence shows that by that cyclists spend more money on a monthly basis, not per trip, but they make more trips. So it is an economic it's a it's an economic boom for them so just making sure that people and again this comes back to you know a lot of the criticism of the previous uh, councils was around a, like a lack of consultation and so when business owners feel like they're hearing about these bike lanes but they haven't actually really been talked to you know that is a problem and so we want to make sure that we're consulting with people before um, decisions are made and that's something that you know we know um, has been a, an ongoing criticism of the city, whether it was around PDI, whether it was around stuff that's happening up at Trent and a lack of consultation with the Indigenous community. Uh, and that's something that I take very seriously. And so I, you know, um, have met with Phyllis Williams, Chief Williams at Curve Lake, and I know Lori Carr down at Hiawatha. And so we want to make sure that we're having the consultations with Indigenous community, uh, like First Nations, and then also the urban, urban Indigenous community, because there's a lot of people here that Um, our students or that live here uh, and so that's something that needs to be really looked at as well. Um,
0: Will you be advocating for a land acknowledgement at city council meetings?
2: Yeah uh, we're going to talk about that with our procedural bylaw Um, I think that that would be great and um, it's something that you know should have been done a while ago there hasn't really been much of an appetite on council for that now I think I think now we actually have councillors who know what a, you know what what a treaty is, which is good. Um, and so in that you know that orientation sort of retreat day, uh, I want to make sure that that's a, a component of it. And I've talked to Chief Williams about that. Um, and there's a, you know there's an event tomorrow at MNR because it's the hundred year uh, anniversary of the signing of, of treaty of the Williams Treaty Treaty Twenty. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I'll be at, and I'm going to try to get other councillors to come to you as well. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, we have a caller on the line. Um, Valentina, can you hear us? Hello, Valentina?
1: You're I, I, had, 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 to I had a lot of hope for this call. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, um, we only Val- have five minutes, so maybe we, we, we do see what her question is, so maybe we should just ask it.
0: Yeah. Valentina, you're on the air. I don't know if you can hear us through the phone, but maybe you can hear us. No, nope, it's not there. Okay,
2: um, so. <laughs> we tried so hard. We got one. Sorry. <laughs>
0: um, but we'll ask your question. So Valentina asks, what inspires you in the face of adversity? Good question. I presume it's for you and not Will and me. <laughs> yeah, what's,
2: all of us can answer it though. Um, what inspires me in the face of adversity? Um, Sometimes it's like that when people tell you that you can't do it, right? Like when I first ran for council and people were like, oh, you'll never win. Nobody knows who you are. Mm. And I was like, well, I better go knock on every freaking door in the ward and introduce myself to people. Uh, And then it's also like I went during the campaign to Edmondson Heights and the grade five classes were there. And they had like an assembly to ask me questions. And they were like so pumped. (laughs) Um, And they were like... Um, do you want to build the parkway? And I was like, no. And they were like, yay. (laughs) And it was like, do you want to... Yeah, like they were just... Like it was awesome. It was one of those things because the campaign was like long and I was so tired and you deal with all these like... Deal with some people that are... Nobody was ever like really rude um, but it can be really draining. And then so to have all these little kids be like really excited about me running for mayor, like they thought it was so cool and they wanted to have like a group hug and it was just like, okay. Because that's why I do this, right? It's not... You know, I, I do it, I enjoy it, but it's also because I know that when we have people making these decisions that impact our community, we need people that are coming at it from a a, a holistic lens that are considering the long term impacts of these decisions and not just the like the quick you know how to get money quickly or whatever. It's like, well, what's the impact for like seven generations right? And so um working with the uh, kids is always is always inspiring to me because that's, that's why I do it. I'm like ideally, you know, I want to do this for a little bit and then pass the torch to the next generation because the decisions we're making are going to be impacting them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we're at 11:12, so I think we'll start saying goodbye. Thank you so much for Thank you for on the having show. me. Yep,
1: thanks for joining Happy us. Happy to morning. come
0: back. Yeah, thanks for taking uh, people's questions. I know it can be kind of nerve-wracking to not know the questions in that's advance okay. <laughs> and things like
2: that. So, really It's just like it. door knocking. That's yeah, and there's nobody there to like help screen the calls. So. Yeah. <laughs> <For sure.
0: laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, uh, I'll put on a song while we say goodbye uh, for real. Like at the door, kind of goodbye. For real, real. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, thank you so much, Diane. Thank you. So you're listening to Peterborough Currents. I'm Aisha Barmania. And I'm Will. And we are no longer joined by Diane Tarian, Um, but she was just here for the past hour and 15 minutes, which was really great.
1: Mm-hmm. Trying to take calls.
0: Trying s- 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 uh, half s- 50% success rate. Sorry if we messed up your call or if you didn't get on the air, but thank you for trying. Really appreciate that. One day we'll get it.
1: Um. I'm reflecting, I was I was actually reflecting on this on my walk here this morning, what a great resource Trent Radio is. Mm-hmm. When you think about, I don't know, it's just this house here in Peterborough, and the three of us were, uh, our producer is Jeff right now, he's in the other room, you can't hear him, but he's working away on this show. Yeah. Jeff, Aish, and I can come and just use this space and then broadcast throughout the community. It's, uh, it's pretty rad.
0: I think it's, yeah, pretty, pretty super cool. Um, yeah, and anyone can have a Trent Radio show, and it's pretty rad. Um, so we do this show on Trent Radio, uh, every week for the Trent Radio season. Uh, we're on Sunday mornings, 10 to 1130 and, uh, we try to take calls every week, but who knows if they haven't, if people have been trying and not being able to get on the air. Um, and we've got some plans for the next uh, couple weeks. So I did a bunch of, uh, stories and research uh back in september during pride month and i've made an episode all about queerness in the cuartas so now that we're kind of settled down after the municipal election i'll be playing uh that material on the air and that'll go up as a podcast as well oh yeah we also are a podcast so check out our podcast um and will is gonna be joining me uh every sunday Mm -hmm. uh on trip radio which
1: is great. Yeah, and we're going to continue to organize uh, episodes around loosely monthly themes, mm-hmm. um, and we're looking at doing a month exploring the theme of belonging. I mm-hmm. think in January. Yeah. So, if you have a story to tell that fits that theme and it can fit it loosely, get in touch. We can help you to tell that story, no matter what level of technological ability you have. We can uh, we can support you in that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we can. It's a pretty loose theme, too, so um, if you feel like you don't belong or if you have a story of creating a sense of belonging for someone or uh, if you have come to feel like you belong in Peterborough or in any other kind of community in the Peterborough area, uh, we'd love to hear that. So get in touch. We're on Twitter, Facebook. Um, We've got contact information on our website, peterboroughcurrents.ptbopodcasters.ca. Um, we've got some other episodes coming up about um, democracy um, and safety and security, and I think I want to do a redux on our housing episode, because um, there's always more stories and always more issues coming up there, and the housing crisis hasn't ended here, so I think we should keep talking about it.
1: I really want my own laneway house. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes I think about...
0: You could live in my shed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like I feel like I can't afford to buy a house in Peterborough, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know, in the last year or so, I've, I've kind of shifted my thinking, and I feel like that's a failure of the market, not my own sort of failure to be able to afford a house, and that if the market could offer me something that was smaller and cheaper, mm-hmm. I would actually prefer to live in that kind of a house, right? Like, the idea of living in a little laneway house really excites me.
0: What kind of, how much space would you want in your laneway house? four rooms four rooms one bedroom one kitchen one living room yeah and a bathroom yeah yeah that's all you need yeah i mean you could just get a trailer and park it <laughs> in a laneway <laughs> live that kind of lifestyle
1: yeah well if the municipality is not going to make it happen then maybe we need to make it happen for ourselves mm-hmm.
0: yeah I, I think there's interesting stuff going on too like i have a acquaintance who lives in a yurt on a farm and um by choice like she just really loves that kind of lifestyle Mm -hmm. like not having electricity really just like not having any heat and she just loves living there all year round and and um i don't know kind of living by by her wits kind of thing Mm -hmm. so i think there's some really interesting stories of people who are making it work in this kind of in the housing crisis as such as it is and i don't know if anyone's got the ideal situation that they want but um Actually, I suspect people do, uh, like p- the people who are living in those subdivisions. But the, most of the people that I talk to don't have quite the, the situation that they that they envision for themselves. And I think it's a really interesting conversation about that divide between the people who have what they want and the people who don't. And uh, I don't know if things are getting any better that way. Mm-hmm. So we've got interesting stuff planned. Peterborough Currents, you can um, always get involved. Um, we are entirely volunteer-driven, and, um, and all of our stories are uh, come out of volunteers, uh, mostly Will and I as volunteers, but um, we'd love to have more people involved, and uh, we're planning some more uh, story meetings, um, so you can come and meet us and pitch your stories, and we can give you some advice on how to go about doing that, and um, nothing totally scheduled yet, but you can subscribe to our email newsletter uh, and like us on Facebook to get those updates first um i don't know should we just put on more music for the rest of the nine minutes
1: well what did you make <laughs> of uh our conversation with diane i thought did, it was. did three. you learn anything
0: um did i learn anything
1: well i learned that there's going to be bike lanes on charlotte street
0: yay bike lanes i actually always had a feeling that was going to happen yeah um i don't know i don't know if i learned anything new other than go transit uh, tracks how many people uh, are going Peterborough to Oshawa, and then if we get the right number, uh, they'll they'll give us a train, maybe.
1: Yeah, but like. But I did that. This <laughs> this point that Diane brings up, which is that the bus service is so bad as it yeah. is, you can't measure that. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I Peterborough to Oshawa is such a long way, and there's so few stops other than along that corridor. Like you could stop at the places that the bus stops, but. You know, even now there's maybe one person getting on every other bus Mm -hmm. at those stops, so it's probably not worth it. So it would kind of be, it would probably be some sort of express Peterborough to Oshawa, and that's such a long way to to lie track. I I suspect we'd only have like seasonal service or something, like they do to Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. Um, So it probably wouldn't even be ideal for commuters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who knows? Um, That was, I guess, the only new thing I learned. But it's always good to hear. Um, politicians reaffirm their kind of values in terms of like um, standing up for a inclusive community. And um, I was interested to know Diane's take on Antifa. So that was mm-hmm. a great question uh, that came from Twitter uh, from my brother, Zach. Thank you. And um, yeah, I think it's interesting how politicians uh, interact with Antifa because I remember kind of covering the... Uh, the love lives here rally. And, um, you know, I spoke with police afterwards and they were very, um, anti Antifa. They, they, they were taking more of an approach of like, we need to weed out these people. We need help. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're already on social media, getting photos and, and identifying people and things like that. Um, and it, there was very much the sense of like Antifa was the bad guy at that rally. Um, And they certainly did change the tone of the rally from a very peaceful, chill gathering to something with a lot of tension. Um, But, you know, like Diane was saying, uh, it's not fair to always expect marginalized communities to uh, approach issues with a love and inclusivity attitude. Like... Um, mm-hmm. they've been marginalized communities have been marginalized for too long to, to constantly expect that um, so I think it's interesting um, and I think it's a, a bit of a different position for Diane to take uh, opposed to other uh, city councillors and, and our past mayor who um, uh, probably wouldn't have felt so charitable towards Antifa mm. What did you learn? Um,
1: it's just exciting to see how enthusiastic and driven she mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and i think that's true of other councillors as well it's just fun to see a council come in that is really excited about the work that they can do and they have a community behind them that is also excited to see what they can accomplish as well and it's just nice to see that level of enthusiasm about an elected government
0: Mhm. Yeah, pretty rare I think, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, uh it feels good. And I I think considering the the landscape, like the political landscape around Ontario and looking at all the other municipal elections that took place, it feels like we're a little little oasis amongst this sea of uh of unsatisfactory municipal elections, mm-hmm. I think. Um Okay, so that's going to gonna do it for us, unless you've got anything else to add, Will? Nope. So that's it for Peterborough Currents. Um, this episode and our conversation will, with Diane will be up on our website. Um, I'm going to try to get it up there later today. Uh, so you can check that out, uh, peterboroughcurrents.ptbopodcasters.ca. Um, you can also subscribe to us in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, all those things. We're there. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and yeah
1: have a good sunday
0: yes thank you and thank you for listening and thank you to all the people who um called in thank you to bill templeman sorry that uh we were having such problems thank you to valentina um for trying to call in and sorry we we couldn't get you um thank you to jeff for, for calling in and for being our wonderful volunteer producer and, um, and to Zach. And to Zach, yeah, thanks for that great question. Um, thank you, will. Thank you, Aisha.. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Have a good Sunday.